What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith. Joined this week with my buddy, Shu, my co-host, Raul. Uh, Going to talk a little bit about the week for Duke. Obviously, kind of uh, lost one, one, one. We're going to jump into it. But before I get into that, I want to kind of just throw this out here for you guys. Does Trevor Keel start another game for Duke? I think he will. Um, I don't know if he should, kind of what you hinted at. I think, you know, maybe we sent the wrong guy to the bench when a couple of weeks ago we were talking about AJ's emergence and whose minutes that would cut into. And I think John and some of us thought it could be Mark's, um, could be Roach's, and perhaps it should have been kills all along. Um, but I think we'll see some games where the matchups dictate that, you know, we just need a bigger body. And because he's, you know, quite a bit larger than Roach. So I think we'll see him in the starting lineup. Um, I guess the one thing I would like to see, and we've kind of hit it on it, you know, is he's taking the most shots on the team and not hitting at a very high clip. So I'd kind of like to see that usage come down a bit. Um, so we'll we'll see when he gets back. We don't know when that's going to be yet, right? So Tuesday, I think he's still kind of questionable for the Clemson game. Yeah, I believe so. To add to that, uh, I think in the Florida State game, he had a 30% usage and a 70-something offensive rating, maybe even just 70 flat. So that's disgusting. It can't happen. Um, he was actually pretty good in the first half, but as we started to, as things started to go awry in the second half, that's kind of when he started jacking shots, um, and that only made the problem worse. Meanwhile, Roach, since he's gone to the bench, um, though, of course, he's come back into the lineup with Keel's injury, but since he went to the bench, he's had 20 assists to two turnovers, which is obviously fantastic. He hasn't shot the ball well, but everything else he's doing well. Um, yes, he doesn't provide you as much defense as Keel's, but the question is whether that's really what we need. When you look at some of the advanced numbers, uh, I believe we have a plus 40 net rating. It's a very limited sample size, but in the minutes that we've seen of Roach, Moore, AJ, Paolo, and Mark, plus 40. And plus 40 for historical perspective would be like, that would be like 1999 Duke level dominance, right? Now, of course, it's only like 30 total minutes, so don't make too much of it, but... They're playing well right now, so I'd really like to not disrupt that. And I think that's why I guess I'll go a little riskier. I, I think he doesn't, um, and I think it's for all those reasons that you just kind of laid out. I think it would be really hard to pull Roach at this point. Um, we're starting to – it looks like maybe we're, we're hitting a gear here, uh, and I think it might unlock something for Keels too, coming back off the bench, letting him kind of find himself – Look, I still think he's going to play like 28 minutes off the bench if that's what happens, right? But uh, I think we desperately need a point guard, somebody to kind of run things. We've tried several different people and had like different levels of success with it. But um, I think Roach is going to take it. And I think this is going to be one of those kind of like um, turning points in the season. I'm hoping at least. But I guess we'll jump into it with, uh, with Florida State. So, you know, obviously we kind of, Back and forth first half. Um, I guess if, if we want, we'll kind of stick to the first half. I think it was Butler that was just killing us out there early on. Um, then we kind of settled in, got going a little bit. I think there towards the end of the half, we end up kind of up five. To me, it looked like, okay, we're about to kind of take over. You know, Shu, what were you kind of thinking at that point? I mean, 
surely we probably didn't see what happened at the end coming, but what went wrong? Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, anytime we play in, in Tallahassee, it's going to be uh, a tough environment. It was a sold out crowd, which we, you know, we should all expect anywhere we go. Um, but it's always just uh, more of a, I feel like it's more of a football game than a basketball game. I mean, they, they kind of let each other beat the crap out of each other for lack of a better word. I mean, it's a really rough and, and tough game. Um, I mean, yeah, we went on, we went on that seven to run to go up to end the half 38, 33. And I felt pretty good about where we were at, um, at that point. Uh, of course, you know, we had been going back and forth with Florida state. Um, and it, it was that, I don't know what it was about the second half starting, starting. They just, they came out and, and knocked us back. And he, yeah. And, 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 and Kay even mentioned in the presser, like a lot of teams would get knocked back from that. Um, and we, we showed a little poise um, and, and kept it close. I think we got down nine at one point, it was 59 50 actually when kills went down and that was with about six and a half left to play. Um, and that's when Kay switched to the zone, which uh, kind of turned the game around. Yeah, that was, I was a little frustrated we didn't do that earlier because something that I didn't mention in the Florida State preview last week uh, that I had meant to mention was that Florida State's offense has been really bad against the zone all year. So I was kind of hoping we would break that out. I mean, clearly we were having a tough time, you know, kind of keeping them out of the lane. They'd get in the lane if they didn't make the initial shot. Um you know, Mark's trying to block it. This is a broken record, right? We've uh, seen this all year. Mark's yep. trying to block it. Um, and then they're getting the offensive rebound and they're scoring. Um, or they're kicking it out, you know, in the first half to Butler and we're not closing out in time. But again, that's because they were able to collapse the defense. Now, once we switched to zone, that really limited their ability to do that. Um, I wish I had the stats still pulled up on it, but I believe, you know, they're kind of like 0.8 points per possession against the zone. So really bad, right? Uh, so you could argue that that's actually what switched the game rather than, you know, Keels going out. If it were not for seeing us play so well against Syracuse. Um, oh, sorry, the other thing, no, the other thing in, in the first half, Obviously, the rebounding, offensive rebounds killed us. We turned the ball over a lot, too. Um, and then in the second half, we kind of shored that up. We weren't giving up as many offensive, especially when we went to the zone. We weren't giving them up like that, and we weren't turning the ball over. So that definitely plays into it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that the, the first half, what did we go to? We went to Bates-Jones off the bench somehow. Uh, I don't know what kind of spurred that. I don't. Well, know he came in against... Syracuse too in the first half. So maybe that's just something Kay's doing now. I don't know, but. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was kind of confused by that. Um, but again, like I said, look, we, we took a, a lead into the half, uh, even with playing kind of as, as not sharply as we were with the turnovers and the offensive rebounds. And then um, the story of the second half, I mean, I think it's got to be mentioned, like, where's Paulo? Like for 15 minutes, we don't get him the ball. He doesn't get a single shot. Like, this is the best player on your team. Um, you can't have him be non-existent, be a ghost out there for 15 minutes of the second half in a close game. Yeah, because he had yeah. several really great drives in the first half. I think uh, two and ones or something. You know, mm -hmm. 
So clearly he was able to beat his man. So yeah, that was weird. Sorry, Josh, go ahead. No, no, I, I think that's definitely the takeaway, right? Is And that's where, um, you know, I was pretty frustrated just like from the coaching standpoint there of what are we doing? You know, 15 minutes where he's not getting the ball. And like, I know Kay was asked about it in the presser and he, I don't think he appreciated being asked about it very much, but I, I think the question's valid though, of like, well, what's going on there? Obviously the defense is focusing on him, but we got to do something different. We got to get this guy the ball. Some of it's on Paolo too, because he does kind of coast a little bit from time to time. And then he has those spurts. It's not the first time we've seen him kind of drift for six, seven minutes and then have like a five minute period where he's the best player in the country. Um, so, you know, obviously that's out there too, but then you have the switch to zone and it's like, that's kind of the vent, a little bit of vintage K of just breaking out that in-game adjustment completely flips the game. Ironically, the, in like the moments that we really needed it the most, the man to man comes back, right? Like we're, right. we're, we're dominating in zone. You know, we, we, we got the lead, we switched to man, we give up a layup and you know, maybe that wasn't so much of the man to man defense. It was a tough shot. Paul was a played tough shot. Defense yeah. on getting off, but what does the zone do? The zone's purpose is preventing someone getting to the rim, right? It's cutting off dribble penetration. And then that's what beats us. And then again, and over time, we see the same thing. We're in zone. We're kind of playing well. We got the lead. We come out into that kind of like press man kind of thing, give up the end one, you know? And it's like. So I wonder, at, you're speaking on the switch to man for the final play of regulation. Yeah. Um, at that point, AJ had just hit the floater. We're up 67, 65, I believe. Um, so I'm wondering if the the reason for the switch to man-to-man is because we're up two, we don't want to give up a three, right? And when you're in zone, um, they can work it around to find a, a, a better three-point shot. So I wasn't too mad about, about the switch to man-to-man, even though, like you said, I mean, the zone was our... I mean, it was it was the bread and butter for us. There is what brought us back into the game. That and the fact that um, after the 15 minutes of Paulo not touching the ball, he scored like seven straight points in like a minute and a half span. Like he just went haywire on them, um, and not even scoring. He was he was dishing out lobs to Mark. I mean, he was he was in every play for us down the stretch, um, and so it was a little you know, confusing to know why we went from the zone to the man-to-man to end regulation. But like you said, the guy hit, look, kudos to, uh, I think it was Raekwon Evans, just hit an amazing kind of run and scoop shot over Paulo. I think Mark went up to, to swat it away and kiss it in off the glass and we're going to play five more minutes. Um, even in overtime, I thought we we had it, but I didn't know it the, at the time. I think GP hinted on it. What is uh, Florida State's won their last 13 um, over time. seven or eight years going to have an awesome yeah, OT game. You would think they've got to lose one of these eventually, right? Meanwhile, we're two and nine in our last 11 overtime. So big contrast there. Um, and I wonder how much that has to do with point guard play because I think that dates back like, you know, six, six or seven years or something. Um, maybe not that long, but uh, the point is, you know, out of all those seasons we've had, only a couple with really strong point guard play, um, you know, from Trey Jones. And those are the seasons when we've actually done the best in these kind of close late game situations. You know, I don't have all the stats pulled up, but uh, it's pretty striking when you start looking at games that were decided by six points or fewer. Um, and 
we have a, you know, losing record, you know, since 2016 in those games. However, 11 of our wins, 11 out of the 23 total wins were with Trey Jones. And meanwhile, in 2015, we went seven and one in close games. And who was on that roster? Tyus Jones, right? Right. Yep. That's the that's the nutshell of it right there, mm-hmm. right? Like we have more getting the ball. Kay thinking Paolo's gonna get the ball. Paolo pointing to midcourt thinking we're calling a timeout. And it's like, what what a yeah, how miscommunication. Does that yeah. You know, how does that ha- that was to me just the to lose like that, right? To give up two free throws on a block that was I'm not going to sit here and say it was a charge. I think Roach should have just stayed on his feet, you know, just just stay up and and go on with it. But also, I was kind of a little surprised they called that too. I was kind of hoping to let that go. But for me, who have actually ref basketball games, like I always, you call a foul if one player gains an advantage over the other, right? So if you watch that play again, Roach takes it clearly in the chest, goes down. The offensive guy, he doesn't miss a beat. He didn't even stumble anything. He went straight up into a shot. If I'm a ref, swallow the whistle there, let him live on if does he make that shot or not, you know? Um, right. If it would have knocked him off balance or something, okay, then maybe I'm calling it for a block. But the fact that uh, he didn't he didn't in the slightest way lose any any balance or anything, went straight into a shot, I, I probably would have left, left it with that. Um we can't blame it on that. Um, that was no, it's on us completely. Yeah. It's not even that as it was the final play that we had the ball, right? And right. think of the yeah. other time that that's happened this year too against Miami. We don't have a guy that seems to want the ball or that knows what to do in that moment, which is pretty concerning. Um, and that goes back to what Raul was saying. It doesn't have to be a point guard. I think that's the most natural fit to have that person do that role, but somebody needs it. And the shot that Dell got there, it's that that's not that can't be the look that we get that can't be the look that we get especially when you got mark right there for the lob aj short corner ready to shoot that that's a tough look so should we have called the timeout that paulo thought we were going to call i mean that's kind of a a old roy move to not call the timeout there right um but you don't let the defense get set up. I mean, you well, just you just got to be on the same page. If we're calling the timeout, we all know that we're calling the timeout. And if we're not, then we all right. know we're not. I mean, even the commentator, the, the commentator said, you know, Kay's yelling for Paulo to inbound the ball and get it back. You know, we inbound it to Wendell. Paulo looks at Wendell. Wendell's about to pass it to Paulo, but then he points at midcourt as if, hey, just get it over midcourt. We're going to call this timeout, and then we'll figure it out from there. And then I don't know if Wendell just – got it across and panicked. I'm not real sure. Well, at that point, he didn't have much time. It was kind of just like, okay, we got, you got to go. Um, yeah. But it's a tough way to lose. It's a tough way to lose. But I mean, is there any doubt that Tyus or Trey would have made a better decision there? You know what I mean? Um, I just went back and watched uh, the the last time we played Florida State, I believe. Uh, was it really the last time that we played at Florida State in 2019? I think so, right? With the cam um, shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. we because yeah. uh, another one got canceled because the of one that yep yep um so yeah that one and guess who's guess who makes the perfect pass to cam there yep Trey. Yeah, Trey. Trey. you know yeah. so yeah. um i just feel like we need more poise in those late game situations more leadership and i don't want to rag dale i mean i don't it's not so much i just don't think that's that should be his role that's not the kind of player that he we saw the kind of player that dell is is what we saw against syracuse that's the best version and what we need of him three and d strong defense on the wing facilitating moving the ball not turning it over he's not the like you know 
go get me a bucket at the end of the game, isolation kind of guy. He can do it, but I don't think that's really his role. And I'm not sure we really even have a guy, honestly. Well, surely, surely we work on situational things like that, right? Like in practice, hey, there's 10 seconds left. We're down to here's what we're going to do, you know? Um, and it just didn't seem like we knew what was going on there. I, it felt like, what was it? The my at Miami game with Jalen Johnson uh, was I guess that was last year. Yeah, where we had a chance to win and we didn't even get a shot off. Like, didn't Jalen yeah. come down and just kind of yeah. handed it to Rhodes or something? Like as the clock went out, so it was or twenty seventeen against NC State and Cameron uh, Tatum there. Oh, um, when he dribbled it off his leg, yeah, yeah. just yeah. and that led to the Dennis Smith Junior. like poster dunk to end the game. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah tough, tough, tough way to lose. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we can. The good thing is, is that, you know, Syracuse came to town after that and we kind of had like a little bit of a party. That was a fun game. Um, yeah. It started out a little weird to me. I've been sitting there and some of the game threads just like, what are we doing? Because some of the lineups that we were just throwing out was like Bates, Jones and Theo and Baker out there to get. And I was like, whoa, this is, you know, a little drastic, but obviously you know, it helps that Syracuse wasn't hitting any shots and we were playing like really well. So, you know, it, it ended up working out. I do think that the stretches that we were the most dominant, and this could have been a 30 plus point game, was that Roach Moore, AJ, Paulo, Mark. And we saw it for a whole game here. So, um, and I think for me, what solidifies Roach now is it's nice that he has the assist numbers but his defense is catching up. And if his defense can, is catching up, I think that is what is why K took him out in the first place. What do y'all think? I feel like he's been better on defense than maybe he's gotten credit for this year overall. Um, you know, he has the reputation of being a bad defender uh, because of last year, which he was a bad defender last year. But overall, I would not say I view him as a weak defender. He has some weaknesses, right? He's small. Uh, he can get beat off the dribble, especially by stronger guys. Um, but he's generally he generally fights really hard on defense, and he's generally in the right position. Um, that's just what I've seen. I don't know. Maybe somebody defense is so subjective and so hard to measure that maybe you guys have a different opinion. I don't know, Shu. What do you think? No, I agree with that. I mean, I guess. You know, it depends on what game you're kind of thinking about. Like the Miami game, he was getting backdoored a couple times, you know. But he's not the only one, right? Like AJ gets backdoored. Jo Joey, it's almost automatic if Joey comes in, somebody's roasting him immediately. Or he'll get whistled for a foul that he didn't commit. <laughs> right, yeah. That's Theo's kind of problem, isn't yeah. it? I think Theo's kind of the whipping boy for fouls. He's the um, jabbing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I've, I'm fine with Roach. Um, and I think, like you said, also, we need steady point guard. We don't need him to come in and score 20 points, right? Um, come in here, run the offense, set guys up. You know, if you get an open shot, knock it down. He can knock down open shots. I don't want him taking 10 threes a game. But, you know, if he's got one or two and they're in the flow of the game and they're open, um, I feel like he's sometimes he takes those ones that are into the shot clock. He just kind of has to rush something up. He, he gets put in that position a lot, um, which probably doesn't help his shooting percentage. But – I mean, if it's me, I'm structuring the offense. Paulo's getting the most shots. AJ's getting the next. And and then Mark's cleaning up a lot. Uh, and then it's kind of whatever we can get from there. Yeah. I mean, I thought this was Roach's best game at Duke, um, personally. And I know a lot of people are going to look at the shooting. To me, I don't 
mind the shooting within this game because you're playing against the zone. So there's going to be just a lot of open shots. I thought the ones that he did take for the most part were you got to take them. He seemed to be in rhythm, just wasn't really hitting them. I don't think just given his history that his shot volume is going to even be as high as it was against Syracuse. Typically, he's kind of in that like eight around eight shots a game, which I think is fine. Um, I think his biggest strength is what we saw, his ability to kind of get past his initial man. Now, the next step for him, I think, is knowing more what to do and making better decisions once that happens. But he has shown that, like, he can he can get by his guy and get in that kind of, like, mid-post area. And then from there, it's kind of Jekyll and Hyde a little bit. Like, when he's really looking for Mark and for Paolo or kicking out, he's phenomenal. Um, when he gets hung up and he kind of doesn't know if he wants – it can't get to the rim, but his floater's not really there. So it's kind of this – that's the part that you kind of like to see eliminated. But I thought just decision-making-wise, he was phenomenal. I feel like a, a lot of times when he gets going to his left, he does he settles for this little like running mm-hmm. yep. left-handed scoop, and it's normally like just way too hard. It comes off the rim or the backboard pretty hard. Or Where, so if you're going to get <clears throat> or it gets blocked, like if you go to your left, look for Mark, you know, for a lob over the top. If you're going to go to your right, to your strong hand, then yeah, maybe you can get there and finish it because he can finish around the rim. He just got to get there in the first place. I would say he's our best lob passer um, mm-hmm. overall. When I think about Mark's lobs, the guy I remember making the most of them is Roach. Um, so, yeah, it's really just a question of him making the right decision when he gets in the lane because occasionally he'll make a brilliant pass, you know, like a, a just a perfect uh, drop off to the big or a lob or a kick out or whatever, like uh, you were saying, Josh. But then there's those four shots, you know, um, and that's what's really holding back his offense because the Syracuse game notwithstanding, he's been shooting pretty well from three this year, but his two-point range is way down from last year. Um, and I think a lot of that is because of those kind of forced runners that you're talking about. So if he just cleans that up, you know. Yeah, just getting better reads because to me it's – like most of his law, and I think he is the best law passer too, because most of his are coming off the dribble, which to me means he's showing this ability to be able to read and react. I think the biggest step now is that some of his passes needs to go back outside, right? So like he's dribbling and he's wanting that lob, but if they sag to Mark to prevent it, he's lost, right? And that's when we see those runners and the finishing and stuff. So I think it's more that we can put kind of AJ and, and Dell or, or Keels when he gets back, Joey, and those corners, get him looking out there a little bit too, um, kind of opens things up a little bit more. But obviously this game was a pretty big blowout the second half, especially the first kind of five or ten minutes there was kind of vintage Duke. But any kind of main takeaways that you guys have? I only have one, but I'll save that for the end. Well, I think, you know, we've said it before, but I think it's solidified. AJ Griffin is our best shooter. Um, and Coach K hinted at it in his press conference, like his shot preparation um, and his base. I mean, you see it, how that wide stance he gets. Um, and, and then it is shot, the form, um, the arc on it. I mean, it, it just comes in uh, so high and beautiful, just soft, soft. splashes, through, splashes soft. Through, the, yeah. through the net. So um, what, what AJ was five and nine from three. Is that right? Yeah. In this game. Um I know he hit the first two right out of the gate. It was four or uh, six, I think, first half. Okay, yeah. So um, I'd like to see him shoot more of them. Um, granted, take this game with a grain of salt because it is Syracuse and they're 
you know, this isn't the typical Syracuse team, especially when you think of their zone and the length that they put in that zone. I mean, you've got uh, two Bayhams starting in this thing. Um, and it's just not, a, it's probably the least athletic, I would say, Syracuse squad I, I've seen since they've been in the ACC, right? Um, also, shouts to Wendell in this game. I mean, he he put the clamps on, on Buddy. Um, Buddy was scoreless in the first half, right? Like, I don't think he scored at all. And he struggled to just get seven points. I mean, he probably wouldn't have got seven if if uh, Jimmy wouldn't have left him in once we pulled all of our starters. I know that made Raul real happy to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, once the blowout starts happening and it's clear we're going to win the game, right? Uh, you know, if we get up 20 or 30 or whatever, you know, Duke doesn't typically blow those kind of leads. Then all I'm looking for at that point is that kind of sweet, sweet Ken Palm bump, right? Um, right. And Beheim denied us that without taking out his starters, right? We had a, uh, we were expecting them to concede at that point. We put in Bates Jones, um, and you know that's that should be the signal to wave the white flag, right? Um, but Beheim was having none of that. Apparently, he's got to uh, you know keep it semi-respectable, which a 20-point loss still isn't. So I don't know what he was doing there. but I think it was more patent buddy stats, right? Like Buddy yeah, came in to be a first-team All-ACC player. He's averaging like 19, and he's got right. five, <laughs> right? So, hey, yeah, if you can't score on Jalen Blakes and Bates Jones, then <clears throat> what are we even doing here? Hey, and it worked. Uh, you know, they, w- they outscored us 13-2, to two, I believe, at the end there. Um, but – we still got the defensive bump, and that's all I care about. So uh, I, I believe we were 27th in, on defense in Ken Palm, and we got bumped up to 20th. So a really strong defensive performance overall, obviously. Uh, I mean, to hold them to 59 points, you know, some of that was just them missing shots, I'll admit, uh, but some of that was really good closeouts and really good ball denial by Dell there, you know, just – making it hard for, uh, you know, his man to even catch the ball. So, um, and then, yeah, we were, we had clearly done our scouting because we were closing out hard on the right guys. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Gerard was really struggling to even get anything off cleanly. So, but there were a few wide open ones that they missed, I thought. Yeah, I thought that most, some of the wide open ones, though, it wasn't like they were coming down, getting into their offense, second pass, they got a wide open shooter. Like, to me, it's, Obviously, you want to contest, but if they're getting a wide open shot on like the fifth option, the third or fourth breakdown, whatever, sometimes you just live with it. It just happens. Um, I agree. I thought Dale was suffocating. I did think as much criticism as I kind of put on the staff and K for the FSU game, I thought K was phenomenal in this game, Um, especially and I want to say it was in the second half. It might have been a little bit in the first half, but he started doing this kind of stack on the, the stack. zone, yeah. right? And he was yep. loading it up, and he was yep. kind of having almost like <clears throat> instead of having Paolo in the middle, it was like he was in the middle, but the dunker spot was the middle, right? Yep. And just loading up there, and like we just took off. I mean, we were getting good action. Even when we weren't scoring off of it, like everything we got looked great. Um, so I really like that. Clearly, we prepared and put the time in to say, hey, it also kind of makes me kind of say that, like, I'd like to see maybe some more sets and more a little bit of that kind of stuff, not against the zone, right? Like, let's have some stuff in our bag to load the floor, um, to create space kind of artificially sometimes to keep Mark there as well. I think that's a good point because I thought the same thing when I saw him come down. 
we ran it one time stack uh, where Apollo just kind of set up, d- dipped in behind Theo, zipped the pass in, you know, right through the middle of the zone. We get a layup. The other time we put Paulo and Mark both on um, on the baseline and you had Paulo flash up. So when that everybody kind of went to him, then we threw a lob over the top. That's the one Mark grabbed from it looked like he grabbed it from five feet away and brought it in, you know, yeah. um, those, like I said, those gadget arms that he's got. I mean, um, I think Joey got a three on one, like a cross court Palo feed or something, got Joey yeah. a three. I mean, it, it just seemed to work really well. Yeah. So again, to your point of like, you know, obviously when you're playing a zone, it's a little bit easier to know, especially Syracuse's zone. Coach K is really familiar with it to know where everybody in the zones at at all times to set those plays up is a little bit easier than setting them up against a, a man-to-man defense where you don't quite know what's going to, how the reactions are going to be. Um, but I would like to see some more, you know, run and set plays like that. We did a couple of them. Was it the, uh, what was the game where AJ came off and threw the lob to Mark? Like that, that was Shire coaching in the weight game, right? Yeah. So we can do it. We have the capability, you know, just like to see some more of it. Um, and I guess before we kind of we'll wrap, we'll, we'll talk about Clemson. But to me, the, the final takeaway I had from Syracuse game is I want A.J. Griffin to somehow become like Duke's Duncan Robinson. And if you're not familiar with that reference, like I want A.J. shooting like 12 threes a game, basically. Right. Like he's shooting 47 percent. This is a guy that's second in conference and offensive rating top 10 nationally. I want now. Obviously, I don't expect him to shoot forty-seven percent on twelve, but if he can hit forty-two percent on twelve threes a game, like yeah. that—that's what I want. That's definitely what I'm hoping to see, and we're seeing it more and more. So I just want to—I'm hoping that that continues. Um, but before we get out of here, I guess we'll we'll touch on Clemson. Um, you know, we we got this one kind of back on the schedule here. I think they're what sixty-third according to Ken Palm nationally, so just kind of middle of the pack. Um, anything stand out or that we should be looking for from you guys? Well, they don't really have any good wins. Um, just kind of looking through their schedule here. I mean, they beat Virginia. They lost to Virginia. They beat State. They beat Pittsburgh. But they have a pretty bad loss to Syracuse. I mean, we just saw Syracuse. They didn't look very good, did they, right? But, uh, mm. you know, they've lost to Boston College, Notre Dame. So, um, and they're just kind of middle of the road in everything, you know, a 54th offense, 82nd defense, um, 36th effective field goal percentage, I guess is pretty nice, but you know, they're sort of middle of the road in height. Um, if not actually on the shorter side, um, they're kind of, you know, middle of the road and experience 138th, uh, you know, average experience two years. So, there's nothing there that really seems intimidating to me. Um, you know, I think their coach is good. Um, I've always kind of liked him, but you know, it being in Cameron and the way we're playing right now, I kind of feel this might be a bigger win than is even predicted, which the spread right now is like 12 points. It would not surprise me at all if we come out and roll. It's just a feeling I have just based, you know, maybe I'm overreacting to the last game, but there's just, there's something that feels good about this lineup right now. I was just about to say the same thing. Um, when I was looking at, I think Kim Palm has it at 13 predicted Duke went to win right now. 
I would be, I think it's going to be 20 plus. I just do. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Clemson just has it this year. Um, typically when I think of Clemson, I kind of think of this kind of gritty, tough defensive team. That's not them this year. Um, they're not that great defensively. And so I don't, I think we're just going to see more of the same. I expect to see Paolo and Mark dominate and for Duke to cruise shoe, you see anything different or. I mean, for me, it's what I've been talking about all year. Um, do we, do we rebound the ball? Do we get defensive stops and and in that possession by rebounding? I think, uh, when I was looking through our notes, um, the last game that we didn't give up double digit offensive rebounds was against Elon. Um, that was before Christmas, you know, so it's, we've been giving up 10, 10, 15, 19, 22. I think we gave up 15 to Syracuse, which you can see that a little bit more because they shoot so many threes and those are going to be longer rebounds. Right. So they're kind of bound to get a couple more extra. Um, but also on top of that, just kind of taking care of the ball, cut down our turnovers. Uh, I think we had 15 turnovers against Cuse. Um, but we also had 25 assists on 30, 30 made baskets. So, you know, that was great to see if we can kind of keep doing that and sharing the ball, moving around. And then, um, you know, defense has been great. Just got to get the, the possession to end with a rebound. So we do that kind of stuff and take care of the ball. I think we, I think we roll 20, 20 plus as well. Yeah. And they're not a team that, you know, forces a lot of turnovers. Um, and they're also not a team that's a dominant offensive rebounding team. So there's no reason against them that they should be able to impose their will in those categories, regardless of how bad we've been at that. Um, another thing I was going to mention is they don't strike me as this team full of overwhelming athletes who are going to burn Duke off the dribble, um, you know, which has been our other Achilles heel this year, right? Uh, Miami, you know, Florida State's athletic too. So I feel like not only is Duke playing well, but it's a really good matchup just uh, based on everything they do well and things they don't do well. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, so, you know, all that said, right. Get ready for a barn burner now. So we pretty much <laughs> guaranteed that. So that, that'll right. happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll get out of here. So, uh, you know, um, I also want to plug a, a podcast we got coming up recruiting content. We had Steve Clark and Travis Branham from two, four, seven, come on. Uh, I think we're going to try to drop that towards the end of the week, talking about the 22 class some different rankings. Uh, so be looking for that one. In the meantime, um, rate, review, subscribe, email us at the devil's den pod at gmail.com. Find us on the board at the devil's den.com. Um, we got Clemson coming up, so need to face it strong in the verb high. <laughs>